It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is the Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler, Colt Cabana. All right, how you guys doing? Come on in. This is the Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast. It's a life podcast. It's a personal journal. It's an entry way into the minds and souls, the hearts and lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is Colt Cabana. I am a, I am a joke maker. I am now a UFC fan, hardcore, not wearing Affliction t-shirts or Ed Hardy, but still into the culture now, I guess, right? Most importantly, though, I am a professional wrestler, and I am sitting here live in the studio apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Before we go any further, this is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast supported by people just like you. We give it to you free of charge every single Thursday on ColtCabana.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. A couple great ways that you can support. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, please. Help our algorithm. Tell a friend via social media. Share that fucker. Share it out to the world. Or if you got a couple of bucks in your pocket and you want to give back monetarily, you can. ColtMerch.com, DigitalColt.com. Both Wrestling Road Diaries are available for digital Digital downloads. I got them in DVD form. We got them autographed. All new t-shirts, some beanies, some hoodies, some zippies. It's all over there. Coltmerch.com and digitalcult.com. All right, I kind of feel some pressure on this one. I don't know if you guys are with me or not. Dr. Tom Pritchard is on the show this week, and this is the uh, the cool down of the cool down. And uh, it's going to be a real good one. If I was to have a guy after the CM Punk exploding of the internet, uh, Dr. Tom is a good one to have because it was a real good conversation, a good talk. We met up in a hotel room, usually where these things are done, sometimes in locker rooms. I've done a couple in cars before. That sounds weird. It sounds like other things I've done before too, but this is podcasting, and Dr. Tom is a good one to have on the show. Uh, as we did this, uh, well, I guess we could talk about into. Uh, first of all, I went back to work. You can't just uh, be on the internet all day. I went back to wrestling. I was uh, in Toronto this week. Had a great time up there for Destiny. Hope to be back. It was in Santino Morello's gym. So if uh, if you're a fighter or a two year old kid, there's a lot of kids in little uh, karate outfits, which is adorable. You know me, I'm a sucker for a little kid that didn't sound right either come on fuckers all right uh, 
be a little kid and go do karate with Santino Morello, who was not there, sadly, but a real nice uh, facility up there. That's it was pretty cool. So like I was saying, uh, during this week, sadly, uh, Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey passed away. That's pretty fucking nuts. I think 52 years old. He was... Uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard's tag team partner for a long time. We did not get into Jimmy Del Rey in the podcast. I know for, uh, you know, I don't know if they were on the greatest of terms for many years, although Dr. Tom did say publicly that they had finally kind of reconciled and made up. But I have fond memories of Jimmy Del Rey. The most fun was just me as a super fan, like 1997. This is how I knew that I knew wrestling, at least in my mind, as a fan, as a teenager. And some of you are going to be right there with me, and that's how you know that we are like-minded. I remember it was either uh, Thunder or maybe one of those main events, and Jimmy Graffiti shows up, and I'm like, here's another scrub. And then I watch his match. I'm like, this guy's good, man. This guy's doing some stuff. There's no way that he's like a power plant guy or just some local scrub. And I was always always like, that Jimmy Graffiti, pretty good. I, I don't know his story, but I could tell he's a good wrestler years later to find out that was Jimmy Del Rey and I uh, I was a, a hell of a talent scout I would say as a as a teenage wrestling dork so my condolences to the family and uh, the fans of uh, Jimmy Del Rey and everybody for uh, Dr. Tom's old partner Tom on the show I like it because it's been years you know a couple years since he's been gone from the WWE and the WWE system and just like Punk said just like I've said we talk about it and obviously it's a stressful thing because that was one of his life's dreams maybe his dream job to do that and you know circumstances or whatever it may be it was taken away and it's not like he sits in a corner all day just rocking back and forth thinking about uh, FCW and NXT but it's on his mind we talk about it maybe there's some bitterness but not bitterness to be like oh he's just bitter but but bitterness to be like fuck man that sucks he was the man to do it we all loved him doing it being in charge of that developmental system and uh sure like why wouldn't he be upset about it or why wouldn't it tick him off a little bit because you know he doesn't have that job anymore just like i don't have a job of a wwe wrestler anymore just like you know i don't know dan Harmon was taken away from community And then, hey, Dan Harmon's back on Community. Maybe Dr. Tom will be back in the WWE system. I will definitely never be back in the WWE, but you get the idea. So that's in the conversation with Dr. Tom. Of course, one of the best trainers ever. Good for him. That's really cool. And you do have to get trained well to be a wrestler. He's doing seminars around the country. Go get trained by Creator Pro in Long Island by Pat Buck and Kurt Hawkins. House of Truth in Detroit. Rip Rogers in Louisville. There's a lot of good ones. You can't just jump in and expect to get shit done. You got to be trained. Dr. Tom trains so many of those guys. I will uh, I will hit uh, a little bit before we get into the meat of this podcast about uh, the punks podcasting situation. I, w- I will not. What's there to talk about the UFC stuff? I'm not here to gossip. Let other guys Go on their podcast to gossip about whatever it may be. That's that they can do that. That's fine with them. That's not what this show is about. I love it. I love that he's going. I'm gonna try to be at every match that he has. I'm gonna support him all the way. That's what I have to say. I think it's amazing. If I listen, if uh, Lauren Michaels said to me, Colt, you want to come be on Saturday Night Live? I'm gonna be on Saturday Night Live. I'm gonna go do it. If Dana White says you want to be in UFC and that's the guy's fucking dream, go right. You you go fucking be in UFC. Of course you do. But in the midst of uh, all the madness, all the comments, everybody podcasting, everybody tweeting. Uh, it was hard to, It was hard to read all the tweet replies. I tried. I definitely couldn't reply to all of them. But uh, I did catch one thing. 
And I didn't even know it was him at first. I just replied to this because it kind of like, yeah, it irked me a little bit. But Cody Rhodes has a, a Twitter that isn't his WWE Twitter. It's his own Twitter. So maybe it's uh, Cody's Twitter. And he tweeted, things I'm learning about the internet. You don't have to make it in the sport of pro wrestling to have a podcast about it. And uh, I'm not here to shit on Cody Rhodes. I like Cody Rhodes. I like Cody Rhodes a lot. We were friends in OVW. He bought me lunch the day I got there in OVW where I had lunch with him, Robert Gibson, and Vladimir Kozlov at a buffet. That was a that'd be a make for a good pod, make for a good roundtable podcast, wouldn't it? But I just I just want to dissect that statement. You don't have to make it in the sport of pro wrestling to have a podcast about it, and that's right. That's right. I I, I think his uh, indication was negative, but I I think it's positive. Of course, no. Like th- that's the point. Is anyone could have a podcast? Anybody. And God knows from the emails I've gotten from people going, oh, now I want a podcast, Colt, how do I do it? Well, I can't answer those questions for you to everybody, but you can. You can do it. Anyone can do it. That's the beauty of it. Anyone can do a fucking podcast. And the cream will rise to the top and the better ones will get viewerships and listenerships and the other ones won't and then they'll go away. Anybody can do anything. Thank you, Cody, for pointing that out. Anybody can do anything and make it. What's make it? I don't know. I've toured around the world. I, you know, I, I just bought this new car, my first new car, and it's, I don't have like a fucking Ferrari, but I mean, a big giant Barry Horowitz pat on my back for buying a new car. I'm going to Japan. I've been to India, South America, you know, Australia four times. God knows how many different tours of, of England and Europe I've done. What is make it? If you don't make it as a comedian on Saturday Night Live, does that mean you're not a comedian? If you're not picked to play uh, Lollapalooza, does that mean you're not a musician? Not a full-time touring musician? You know, wh- what is make it? I, I Especially, especially in this day and age, what is make it? But most importantly, yeah, yeah, anyone can have a fucking podcast. That's right, anyone. And luckily for me, it's been the thing that has allowed me to uh, quote-unquote make it because of this podcast Instead of being under a corporation or an umbrella, I have directly found the people that will support me. WWE doesn't send me a check. That doesn't allow myself to support myself. Basically, this podcast goes out. I make some fans. People enjoy what I'm doing. They come to a show. They buy a T-shirt. They support me. Enough people say in a town that they want to see me that a promoter books me on a thing and gives me money so those people can come see me. And that's how I have, uh, quote, unquote, made it. Because I have a podcast, and I think it's fucking awesome. And if you want to do it, and you haven't made it in your sport or your genre or whatever, you can still do it, too. Don't let people detract you. I love podcasting. Fucking DIY punk rock. And that's said from a middle-class Jewish kid. Cold. Now, obviously, since the last two shows, we've gotten a lot of attention, and probably some new listeners are here. So I've had a lot of people send in great songs and requests for songs of the week, some that we've played already, some that we haven't. So i got a lot of good additions to the list. But I was blown away by Dan Rudge. He sent me a YouTube link of an acoustic version of a song that he wrote about the superstar himself. I'm talking about the internet breaker, CM Punk. It's called I Swear to Jeebus. It's great. I think you'll like it. Enjoy it. We'll be back with Dr. Tom Pritchard. Chicago made all Jews. I paid as the thunderous Watch over again, hear them chant your name straight at rebel without a pause. In a vacant with no restraint, not at night you don't impress. 
guaranteed to make somebody go to sleep. Best in the world is a title you can keep. Last words to Jeebus, that's a title you can keep. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have scandals. I don't know. You know. That- no, I have. A, I have a tendency, though. I haven't been scandalous yet, but I have been alluding to the fact that these fucking assholes are talking about how great NXT is, and they've all come from FCW except for Lana. And so it's just it's biting at you. Do you want? Do you want that to be on? Is that okay? I've said it a few times. You said, okay, because that's a this is a start. Of course it is. And you're in. no, it's not biting at me. It's what it is is. Um, I don't mind. Ooh, oh, I don't. I don't plug unplug your gimmick. We're good. We're Sorry, I'll take my I'll take my feet off. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that could be dangerous. I don't, don't want to be scandalous. I just want to tell the truth. The truth is what the truth is. I mean, I I, I really do wish the best for NXT and all there. I just don't want them saying that this is what's happened because of them right yeah and you you feel i feel that anyone who wants to fulfill their dream should fulfill their dream i also feel um that when they started in an fcw which i actually heard something on steve austin's podcast the other day he was interviewing uh bray wyatt and, and austin said you know when you were in nxt and bray immediately stopped and said you mean fcw with dr tom pritchard and i said yeah well, there you go because he didn't start in nxt he started in fcw and if it would have learned anything got anything from nxt he would have said oh yeah nxt was great and not that nxt isn't great because they have some great talent but don't claim everybody who's gone up from ambrose to rollins to, to liaki um 
Roman Reigns. They came from FCW. Yeah, but you know the deal as much as anybody else. That's their thing now. Of course. They revise history. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they say what they want to say. They, they can say what they want to say because they do revise history, and that's their prerogative. But yeah. the fact still remains, and I'm glad that some people will still take the time to correct them. And, that, and you're and right. As, as for everyone who's doing that, there's hopefully you're saying let's get out of a, a, a vision, a mission to still remember where people came from beforehand. I, I think there were a lot of things that were right with with FCW, and there were a lot of things that were wrong. But I haven't had the luxury or opportunity to be to NXT yet. Yeah. But I do know that they've yet to home grow. A superstar, yeah. I mean, Lana's a superstar, but she isn't exactly bumping every night. So uh, that's all. I just, I just, when I hear things like, "Look what we're doing down in NXT," I, I hear it's great, but let's see what the results prove yeah. within the next six months to a year. And this has been on your mind. I could see it right now. Okay, maybe so. But, <laughs> but it's just the fact that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, obviously, it, it bites at you a little bit, and like. Uh, I just sitting here right now, not even talking to you previously. Mm-hmm. I could tell like you're like excited to get that out in the world a little bit. Well, it seems like this must be the place to get that out of <laughs> right now. And I don't want that to be the idea no, behind I the know show. That. Yeah. I, I'm just I'm being sarcastic. Not, yeah. I'm being a smartass, really. But but the fact is, uh, there's so many things out there that are happening right now, and they're all giving this great credit to NXT and the Performance Center. And I I said on a few occasions, if we would have had the keys to the kingdom, I'm sure we could have built something a lot better than FCW. Mm. It was a a building that we were given the constraints. It's now a Chuck E. Cheese, I believe. Obviously, it has every right to be a Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) It it, it was a Chuck E. Cheese almost when we were there. I was just going to say that. I mean, it's very apropos. (laughs) Right. But, But my God, man, I mean, that's great if you have... Uh, a budget of whatever million dollars it costs. Yeah. I mean, and, and you have everything you want. Man, that's great. But that wasn't how developmental was ran back then. And now that someone's taking it over, it's run so much better. Well, let's see. Let's, let's see, see how much better it's run. Yeah. The, the network, hold on, the network's still there and, and they still have yet to get a million subscribers. And, and I think a lot hinges on that. So, you know, it all trickles down, in my opinion. I, I think because you've been around the developmental system for so long. Right. I think there's like uh there's forever where are you going? You literally, your back is literally towards me right now. Well, I'm just trying to get comfortable <laughs> because once I start talking about this, I'll maybe Let me put this recorder down. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> all right, good, good. I, yeah, I'm just gonna turn back. I wish I had a picture okay. of that. That was the funniest right. thing I've ever had. That was all good. You wanna put My your- body language is very, very telling right now. Yeah. All right. Okay, are you good? Put your feet okay. up here. Have no, fun. No, I'm good. Have a good time. Off. All right. Yeah. Uh, every every developmental before and after, like it's always like this is what we had. You know, I think there's going to forever be, right? So give me the first year of development, like when you were training dudes mm-hmm. in in Connecticut in 1996, right. yeah. as opposed to training myself in 2007, 2008. Right. There was a lot of this is. Well, there was a lot of changes because it was brand new, and of course it's going to evolve and it's going to change, and that's great. Um, That should happen. It should get better each year. It really should. But I've read things and heard things where people said, well, it wasn't much of a developmental system until all of a sudden 2012, here came this great performance. It was 2012, right? I think it was 2012. 
maybe 2013, but it wasn't short. Uh, it wasn't shortly after I was gone uh, that developmental became this great, all-knowing, all-great thing, and they're playing nice with the internet and playing nice with all these people. And I thought, <laughs> you know, nobody knows uh, what happened to developmental prior to that, and and that's that's the way it was designed because they they tried to keep the developmental system and the main roster separate. They didn't really almost didn't really want anybody to know there was a developmental system. It was like a secret. I mean, stars and Harley, uh, stars like Harley Race or, or other guys would come down, and we couldn't advertise them for our shows. Mm. We couldn't advertise to bring people in. Now it's on the internet. It's it's a it's a separate brand, and and uh, the powers that be, the the manager or the uh, uh, what is he? Uh, what's his title? What is the CEO or whatever he is? He's such as he's just genius all of a sudden. Well, that's great. Like I said, if you had the money to build your idea of a of a training center, all that's great. That's wonderful. But let's wait to see what it produces. Yeah, you know. I mean, I remember in my times, everyone was like, uh, "Like we didn't have the, you know." So they're giving the, the spiel now. We didn't. Right now, they're like, "We didn't have this one." We, it's just always the "We didn't have this one." Right. We were developing or, or back in my day, kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Back in back in our day, that it wasn't like that, and that's great. Once again, it should be progressing. It should get better and better, but. Don't knock what was there first because it did pretty good. I mean, it produced guys like John Cena, like uh, Brock Lesnar, and uh, I don't know Randy Orton. Just just name a couple. Sure. They, they came from OVW. You know, you had Sheamus from FCW. You had some other guys who who went through FCW. And and knowing what you know now, you know how the system works, and that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for this um, for this one. There's so, there's so much uh, like selfishly. Like right, like I, I, there's a lot I want to talk to you about, a lot about your past, uh, the wrestling, the territory days. I'm before I'm going to go on a little spiel here before we get into it. There's so much I'm intrigued by uh, that you were training kind of in early, like the in your 30s, yet you were like such a veteran. And then there's also the the selfishness of like, um, I got you on here, kind of want to know answers to my own. Uh, past, got, you know, I got the answers. You got all the answers. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's kind of a lot of that I want to go into. And then, of course, um, there's a lot of history into it. Yeah. Um, I, I, okay, so I want to start with you started training. You made the de- you did you make the decision to become a trainer? Well, here's what happened. Uh, I was still teaming with Chris Candido, and he broke his neck in Madison Square Garden. And uh, I'll never forget this. In a night. match with you? In a match against the Godwins. Cool. Chris and I against the Godwins in, in the garden. And uh, he came back and sat down in the hallway. And he was holding his neck. And he just he didn't know what he did. And uh, Tammy took him to the emergency room. Um, I was riding with somebody else that night. But took him to the emergency room. And he had a fracture, like a hairline fracture, I think, on his neck. And... Um, so he wore a collar, and he wanted K Fabe that he broke his neck. So he tried to go out to the ring without the collar and just didn't take as many bumps. And then he started going to the ring with the collar on, which got heat. So anyway, he, he, he eventually had to admit he broke his neck. He couldn't work anymore, at least for a while. And Can uh, I ask you, do you remember the move he 
No, I don't remember what happened. It was just, it was somewhere just in the match. It was a freak neck break. Somewhere in the match, he got hurt. Okay. And, you know, it's one of those things. Cause Chris was a tough guy. And you didn't all of a sudden stop when you're hurt. And I don't, and again, I don't think he, he knew he broke his neck. You know, it's one of those things where you know you're hurt, but you don't know how hurt mm. until you look at the x-ray. And, um, so we were off for a while. And the body donors were being pretty well phased out anyway. <laughs> like we were phased out from day one, <laughs> quite honestly. Uh, and it was one of those things, being at the right place at the right time. And Mark Henry was uh, competing in the Olympics. And I had done some jobs on TV. Just And you know when the end is near. I knew the end was near anyway. The writing was on the wall. But uh, What were you doing jobs as? As zip, as yeah, zip. yeah, I was doing. Were, you had become like Brian, uh, B. Brian Blair, or like Jim Brunzel. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so they they were getting everything they could out of me, and then eventually, uh, Vince asked me if I'd, I'd gone to Houston like months before that, and I worked out with some guys, and Bruce was there, and he saw that I could at least show him how to take a headlock over. I don't know why that was so anyway, why that meant anything at all. But Vince pulled me in his office one time and said, hey, man, you, you know, would you be interested in training people? Because we have these uh, these three guys that we wanted to try. And, and one was a German bodybuilder, Ockham Albrecht, Brockus. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mark Henry, they just paid for his Olympic failure. Uh, not failure, but <coughs> he, he didn't he didn't succeed at, at winning anything at the Olympics. Did they sponsor him? Yes. I sure didn't did. know that. Yeah. And, and he was going to be a wrestler after the Olympics with this great medal around his neck. But. You know, that didn't come out. And then Dwayne Johnson was just starting to wrestle in Memphis, but they wanted to get him ready and debut him at Survivor Series. So in August of 1996, these guys came to Stanford, and I was 30, turned 36 in August of 96. So 36. Or, th- yeah, I think it was. See, I thought 30, you were 33 37. or 34. No, I, I came to the WWE when I was 33 okay. in 1993. So in 96, I would have been 36. Um, so uh, it was one of those things that I knew the gimmick was winding down. There was nothing else, and I was not really the happiest guy either. In terms of what? Huh? Where was ha- why wasn't happiness? Uh, because I hated the gimmick. I hated the body Don's gimmick. I hated um, I hated just doing what I was doing. I didn't hate wrestling. I just hated where I was at in wrestling. And and my the, my neck was hurting and my back was hurting. And it just wasn't as fun as it used to be. So here was a chance to transition to training, which I'd never done uh, formally. I guess none of us really ever do until we know. Or, or until we get in there and do it. And started at the studio in Stanford. They set up a ring, uh, just like in the arena, except it was in the warehouse, which is now covered with Jim Johnston's studio and, and all these other studios. And it's, it's, it's completely different, obviously, than it was. Was it not tracks? No, it wasn't tracks. Okay. Did not have tracks yet. Uh, so, but, and they hated us at the studio because the bumps would bleed through while they were trying to do voiceovers. They hated us there, but but we bumped and we worked out and um, and and it evolved. You know, Dory Funk Jr. brought came in, and I think that was a Jim Ross deal where we called it the Funkin' Dojo for a while yeah. and brought some guys in, and and then that lasted I think three months, and then you know, so the, at thirty six, mm-hmm. like that was wrestling was done, yeah. It was what? It was like, hey, I'm not wrestling anymore. I'm now a trainer. Guy. Well, uh, yeah, but I still wrestled. See, they still brought me on the road to work with uh, 
Brockus okay. Occam, uh, you know, worked some dark matches, and, and I worked some dark matches with, with uh, Rock, and I worked with some with Mark. So I was a guy under the mask as Doctor X, <laughs> but once again, you know, my my wrestling career as I knew it was pretty much done. Yeah. So I was it, I was cool with that. You I mean, were cool with that. Yeah, I was fine with that, man. Okay. Yeah, it was a new phase in my life, and I was looking at. This is the first time in my life now that I had insurance, a 401k. I was getting paid a salary. I was, I was making more than I was. Yeah, but was. see, it sounds like you feel like you had security, but I feel that you had to have known in wrestling that there was nothing. <laughs> no, 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 but it wasn't wrestling anymore. See, it was this part of the, this corporation. Ah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I was now, I was in the office. I had a, a, a contract where it was... Uh, I was making more doing that than I was wrestling. Right. That was no guarantee money when I started wrestling with WWE. In your mind, did you see this as like, I'll do 25 years here, I'll get a gold watch, and then I'll retire? Like, Never thought the gold watch, but I was hoping to have a good 401k. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that was, was, that was on my mind. Sure. But, but see, I still had that wrestler mentality because... I, I, I would have to go to the office and turn in reports, and I didn't have a computer at that time in 1996. I was still very computer illiterate, illiterate and I'm not very literate now uh, on the computer or otherwise. But I had to go to the office and turn in reports and go to meetings, and I still wore sweatpants on a T-shirt, and I just <laughs> I didn't belong in that fourth floor. Was but, that frowned upon? Huh? Was that frowned upon? Oh uh, like- yeah, especially when John Laurinaitis told me he needed me to dress more professional because i thought i was a coach and i could dress in sweats and t-shirt and that's how coaches was yeah. supposed to dress you're like that's what john Tolis wore court well sure it was <laughs> and he was a coach hey. and i thought you know why not because i don't want to be wearing a suit i don't want to be on that fourth floor I'd rather be in the ring training and doing things but uh i never i i, I was okay like i said i was okay with um the wrestling career full-time i, I was Really good with not doing it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd rather get in a ring and train people. Because it had been so, how many years that it had been? For training? Uh, wrestling, 20? Oh, 20 at that time, I guess, because I started in 79. So 79 must have been. Uh, well, what age did you start? I started when I was 20. When you were 20? Yeah. I thought you were a little younger, no? No, 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 man. I just turned 55 in August. Okay. So. Yeah. I thought you had started wrestling. I mean, 20. 20- oh, no. I started training when I was younger, but I, I actually started taking pictures when I was 12. Right. Oh, and, and I started working in the office when I was 15 or 16 during, right. during the summers. But I really had my first match when I was 20. But I trained with the Iron Sheik. Yeah, I trained with the Iron Sheik and those guys when I was like 17 and 18. You did what? I trained with the Iron Sheik when I was 17 and 18. In Houston. In Houston. Yeah, he so, was, he was uh, Mohammed Farouk back then, and I was working in the office during the summer. There was a football player who wanted to get into wrestling, and Paul Bosch, the promoter, uh, the way it happened was Gary Hart would come to come to the office every Friday morning before the matches, and he would bring some of the guys with him, and they might stay out in the office, or they might go grab lunch while... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Paul and Gary talked. Well, this football player wanted to wrestle, so Paul, so Gary brought Muhammad Farouk, the Iron Sheik, with him from Dallas. And they met at the office, and I drove them down to the Coliseum. And I always brought my workout gear with me every day, just, just in the hopes of something like this happening. And Paul told me I could go to the Coliseum with these guys and get in the ring and work with them. So I did. And we did that for two weeks with the football player, and he quit after two weeks. And Cosro kept coming out for the next two months, uh, trading with him. Then he left the territory, and then I started working out with Nick Kozak and a guy named Joe Mercer in Texas, too. You were doing the same workouts with this football player. Mm-hmm. He couldn't hack it. You right. could hack it. Uh, yeah. I wasn't going to give up. There was nothing they could do to make me quit. This guy's, uh, what was he, a Division One A football player? He played for the Oilers. Sure. Why? He's an NFL player. Yes. The highest level you could right. be. Right. And he didn't like having his face rubbed in the mat. I'll never forget the first time... Um, Cosmo wanted us to squat, which is the push-ups. Iron Sheik, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. We, I did the squats, I did the push-ups, and knew nothing. Um, and then he taught us how. To, he said, "I'm going to get on all fours, and you try and turn me over." Well, I did. I tried to turn him over first, and I, I couldn't do anything. He turtled on me. You know what a turtle is, right? Yeah. When, when they just lay there and you can't do anything. Well, and then he goes, "Now I try you." Okay, so I got on all fours, and he snatched me. And uh, to this day, I don't know what he put me in, but he told me to scream. Does that hurt to scream? I said, yes, just go to scream louder and pulled up on my back. So I had to scream like a bitch, and I did. And uh, He made you humble, ba- right? Huh? He made me humble, yeah, mm-hmm. and pushed me aside. Then he did the same thing to the football player. But what really made me uh, this, this lesson memorable is he taught, was teaching us how to lock up. And when I locked up with him, I slapped him in the ear, and he stopped he looked at me and said, I did not say. And he went slap right across my ear and slapped the dog shit out of me. Um, so that was that was my two weeks with him. And then we we, wrote, we worked out a little bit later for the next two months, but not quite as uh, stiff as he was the first time. So nobody was going to make me quit. I was determined these guys were going to have to kill me because I was determined to get into wrestling. It was, here was my door. So well, From 12 to – I don't understand, like 12 to 17 – were you always like, I want to be a wrestler? No yeah. one would listen to you, or no one listened to me. I, from from the, from the time I was four years old, no one listened to me. Uh, my my older brother Ken is the one who got me the meeting with Paul Bosch when I was twelve. I was writing for 
Gong Magazine, Wrestling News, and Norm Keitcher, Jim Melby. I don't know if you ever knew those names mm. or not, but that was in the 60s and 70s. You were writing for their magazine at 12 years old? Yeah. Taking pictures, too. As like a fi- like pretending you were 25? No. Just saying, no. I'm a 12-year-old. No, I didn't even say I was 12 years old. Didn't, didn't mention the name. I was just a wrestling fan. Good. I had these pictures. And, and back then, Eddie Gilbert was doing the same thing. So was Jim Cornette. You know, we, just, we, we didn't know each other at the time, but the names kept crossing. And, and I just recently found a, a magazine I had where it took pictures of Briscoe versus Wahoo. And Briscoe's wearing the old NWA belt that Harley had. And Dory Funk wore for four years because... The new one was getting fixed, and that's a rare picture. Nobody has a picture of Jack with that that belt, you know. So, um, yeah, I took pictures that night, and it was. Uh, I just found that magazine last or shoot a couple months ago. Ringside, yes. So, what? Wh- uh, how did you get, like? How did you get ringside as opposed to how did you get? What came first, the chicken well, or the egg? Or no, the no, gig no, or the, no, no, no. My brother Ken actually called Paul Bosch mm-hmm. at his office, and this was on Friday. That we went to the matches every Friday night. We moved from El Paso to, to Houston when I was 10 years old. And the matches in El Paso were on Monday, but the matches in Houston were on Friday. So, and the tickets were cheap, man, like five and eight bucks. Well, my mom, she wanted to get out of the house too. She used to take us, you know, my Bruce and I to the matches every Friday night, get her out. And it's, it was like two hours of a. Uh, she kind of liked wrestling. She had to kind of like nah, it. She just wanted to get out. She could drink daiquiris too, you know, make it. There was something about it. That there was she something liked. about it. She, she got away. Maybe it was, it was the daiquiri. Yeah, yeah, it was the daiquiris. But you know, we went every Friday night, and um, uh, you know, I, I wanted to see the guys. But I was writing for these magazines as, as a way to get in. And my brother Ken called Paul and uh, said, "You know, hey, would you just give him a chance? Let him meet you. He, he's, he has this press pass. Jim Melby sent me a press pass. It wasn't really anything. It was just this card bullshit." And so he picked me up after school and told me he got this meeting and I thought he was ribbon. You know, I thought we were just going to grab something to eat. He said, no, man, we're going downtown. Went down to Paul's office and Paul was a big man, but uh, his office was so cool as a wrestling fan because it had pictures and, and, and articles and wrestling belts on, on the wall. Statues and, and just really cool stuff. So when you walked in, it was like this amazing place when i walked in you know paul he we told the lady i was i was there to uh to meet paul and paul came out of his office and shook my hand and i was nervous as hell but he took me back to his to his 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 office and uh i explained to him that i had this press pass i showed it to him he took it out and pulled out something in his desk looked at it and i don't know what he was looking at but this was during the time jack briscoe uh was going for the championship, you know, was supposed to be chasing Dory Funk Jr. at the time, and that was a big rivalry, and I, I wanted to cover that. He was coming up this Friday night, and uh, he says, okay, well, we'll give you a chance to, to try it this Friday night. And I thought, well, is that that simple? You know, so I thought he'd forget on Friday, but it came with my camera. And he says, are you ready to take pictures tonight? And I said, yes, sir. So I went down to the ringside. Now I'm scared shitless because I'm at the ring, and I'm – right there and i'm seeing the sweat fly and i'm hearing it and and it was real man Mm -hmm. it was wahoo and briscoe knocked the shit out of each other it was great but i was you know i got these pictures and uh none of them came out so he gave me another chance what happened i don't know they 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 were dark no 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 i took them to get developed but they were dark and it was just a really shitty 
shitty way to they took out it. I don't know if it was a ring light, so what it was, but my camera, I think, was my the lighting. You had to you had to set the F stop back then and just different shit. And the cameras aren't just point and shoot like they are today. It was this I thought it was a real professional looking camera. And it was a professional looking camera. I just didn't know how to use you it. Just to professionally know how to use it. Right. <laughs> so I, but anyway, I, I I got another chance and I kept taking pictures every week and I was coming every week and I told Paul I want to be a wrestler and he he even said you're too small no do something else go to college uh but I never listened and at at 12 years old is that is Paul Bosch like oh look at this kid's adorable or I mean was that like a pity like I'll let you do this I I think see Paul looking back at it looking back at it Paul did a lot for the community he did a lot for the boys club he did a lot for uh, he did. He gave people opportunities, and I think he was giving me an opportunity, and just to see how bad I wanted to do it, and to see if I was for real. Because eventually, the pictures I took at ringside got published, and I would show him. So I got more and more access to ringside, and he used a couple of my pictures in the program. So it became like that. But when you first come up to a guy, yeah, and you're just a 12 year old kid. It's not like he really took you seriously. No, like, he I didn't. get that you you. You right. earned your keep, if you will. Right, but I, I believe it was my brother. It was Ken who who told him, "Look, man, he's serious. Just just give him a chance. Just see. Just give him a chance." I think that was the inside because right. Ken had been in the Air Force. Paul was a military guy, and I don't know if that was the issue or not. But someone's heart was big and nice. He was right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he he would give you a shot, yeah. and and eventually, every opportunity I saw, I was bound and determined. Um, I'd heard somebody say this. Just, just this is what changed my life. I think, and I've said it a lot. It's a big quote <laughs> through the years. Well, yeah, I'm excited. I, well, changed uh, you, might, you might have heard it. <laughs> I, I heard someone say one time, "There's three kinds of people in this world: those who try, and when they don't make it, they say, well, at least I tried.' And those who say, well, I gave it my best shot, and if they don't make it, they say, well, you know what? At least I gave it my best shot.' And then those who say, whatever it takes. There's, there is no try. There is no best shot. There's just whatever it takes. And I thought, wow, man. I mean, that, that stuck with me forever. And I heard that when I was. That was just a quote, or you remember who said that? Uh, that was a guy, Steve Otteson, in, in my karate class. He came and was, was trying to sell Amway. <laughs> you remember, you, do you know Amway? I'm familiar. Okay, thank yeah. you. Well, those, and I was listening to all this crap. Until he said that, everything else was just lost. But, but he said that, and I'll never forget that. Because did you, did you buy from him? No, not at all. He only well, gave it his best shot, didn't no, he? No, no, no. He, he, but <laughs> he I wasn't going to buy it. Yeah, I wasn't going to buy it. But when he said that, man, whatever it takes, I thought, yeah. Because how do these guys get to be, you know, from a normal human being to a wrestler? They had to, they had to be born. They had to go through life. I mean, you don't just get born in, you know, except for the guys who were born in the business. But I, I refused to believe that I couldn't do it because I was going to find out some way. And back then in the 70s when I was growing up, it was kayfabe. And in the 60s, you know, I, I was born in 59, so I was watching through the 60s and 70s. It was all real, and, and you never exposed it. And, uh, you know, you, you, you protected the business. Mm-hmm. The guys did. So I was bound to determine it. I want to know what these secrets were. How did you know how to do these things. How did they know? Because they weren't talking in the ring. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were fighting. And, and I saw guys like Jack Briscoe and, and Dory Funk, Johnny Valentine. Johnny Valentine was violent. Wahoo was violent. The great Malenko it was violent stuff. It was real blood. And everybody tell me, oh, it's all fake. Nah, they, don't, they really like each other. Well, it, 
I didn't care. It was just so fascinating to me. It was like running away with a circus. And that's what I wanted to do. I, I thought there was nothing better than packing your bag, going to a town, wrestling under the ring lights, and going back, packing your bag, and going down to the next town. I mean, it just seemed like such a rock and roll, mm-hmm. you know, girl sex, drug sex, <laughs> rock and roll. It was great, man. It was, and, it was and, I think, and, and, and I think that's why I think we're like-minded. I'd like to think that's why you probably liked me when I came to developmental because that's – and a, a couple a other of us, that's the – yeah, that's the life that I like. Yeah, you you get out, man. You pack your bag. You you, you bring it with you, man. You you go to a dressing room, and, and sometimes it's the greatest. Sometimes it's a dirty little closet. But but the fact is, I like the dirty little closets better than the big sparkly, nice arenas because they had more feel. They had more atmosphere. They had more attitude to it. Did you have a chip on your shoulder because you were part of a system that was taking that away from wrestlers from wrestlers? You mean maybe chip on the shoulder isn't the right word, but like I don't know because you were part of the system. So even let's say I'm traveling the world doing the roads, the territories aren't really around anymore. But now I go to OVW and I go to an FCW and I'm taken away from that. I have to live in the same place. Uh, And I'm with you who's in charge of a place where we're not allowed to go on the road anymore and work in a Puerto Rico and work in a Canada and work in whatever. Well, yeah, I don't know. Did that weigh on you a little bit maybe? Yeah, I don't know if it was a chip on my shoulder, but I really thought you guys were being cheated, and I thought the new generation who didn't have the territories wasn't getting the full effect of what professional wrestling really was Mm -hmm. because when it was like that, I got the end of the the tail end of it in the 80s. You know, I started October 79, and it seemed when I started, I, I kept going. And when the territory started getting taken away, I would be one step ahead of right when they'd close. Mm. And then eventually it came down to, wow, man. Wait, one step ahead, like you knew to get the fuck out of there? No, it just, I, I wound up getting the fuck out of there and then they'd close. I mean, I'd just be one step ahead of either I was leaving. I never, I hadn't got fired up until I got. The time I got to WWE, I mean, I'd never really been fired. I always just left. So it was an instinct. It was luck almost. I, I have to be luck. Because <laughs> right. Showing my instinct. And I wasn't that smart. But, but yeah, man, it was like I, don't, I never had a chip about anybody getting into it or, or, or following what they wanted to do. It's just you don't get the same effect. You don't have the same experiences like like I did back in my day, kid. I mean, did you feel bad that like these guys weren't getting that experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did, man, because it was such a fun time. It really <laughs> was a fun time. It wasn't always the healthiest time for a lot of us, but it, it was a fun time. And I was listening to one of your podcasts when, when you guys were talking about the funnest times we were going to you know Ian shows and just being in wrestling, and that was what it was in Louisiana when I when I got some of these uh, shows after I started. Um, you would go to some of these little sports arenas. They call them sports arenas. And I'll never forget, this just always stood out in my head. You'd walk in this dressing room, and in the middle of the room would be a toilet. Yeah. No no walls around anything, just a toilet. So if you had to shit, you had to shit right in the middle of everybody. Or, uh, you know, and, and it was I, just. I love the idea of you, like, being like, we're going to the sports arena. Right. And, like, you have this vision of this beautiful place. Yeah, a place holds maybe 200 people, and right. they're happy about it, you know? And and all these stars that I saw on TV, you know, Junkyard Dog, Wrestling 2, and Wrestling 2 wore his mask in the dressing room the whole time, Kay Fabian in the shower, and. I thought, is, is he doing it just because of me, or is he doing it because of everybody? I yeah. Mean, it was a great Did you time. conclude that? Huh? Did you conclude that? I, I, I figured he had to be doing it for everybody. I, I just thought, but because I rode back with him 
uh, he one of the first nights I made TV, I rode back with Buck Robley, Wrestling Two, and Jonathan Boyd, and he took his mask off, and we're all partaking in the ritual uh, peace pipe ritual. And uh, here's Wrestling Two, you know, talking business with Buck, and and I worked with Jonathan Boyd that night, and. And here's the guys I want to be like, and and they're doing things, and I'm thinking, wow, is this what it's like? Because if it is, it was cool as hell. Mm. It was like that that gypsy vagabond, uh, romanticizing uh, feeling I thought I would have, and it was. It was great, man, because you had no rules. Show up at the building an hour ahead of time. Uh, most of the guys were. It was a different culture back then. Most of the guys did their thing and showed up, and as long as you could work do what you were asked you were fine mm-hmm. so i mean you you didn't get to experience that because of, of our past mishaps uh a lot of bad things happened to guys in the 80s right and thank god for the the wellness tests and things today because some guys listen to it and some guys don't yeah i mean i, I yeah of course obviously it cleaned up that part of it but i a lot of you know a lot of us there's a group of our generation that uh, like here's something I would always say is like we'd get yelled at to why aren't you in the ring in the and so like not and it's like I'm always like man no way Dick Murdoch ever got in the ring and rolled no. around for four hours before a show you no know? And, and but the thing is they learn see we learned by working six to seven nights a week and you'd be married to a veteran who who was either on his way out or knew his job was to teach a young guy coming in but they resented young guys coming in back then and they would either stretch them i mean i got a cauliflower ear a cauliflower ear uh my first month in los angeles from johnny mantel and ron star and it was just to see if i'd take it because it would bend my ear back and put me in a headlock and bend my ear back and each night you know it would swell up and it would hurt and they'd take a razor blade in the shower uh, three nights in a row. The first night they just lanced it, and the blood would come out. Okay, just to be like, hey, we got to uncauliflower this. Yeah, yeah un- uncauliflower. So they did it, and then they do it again the next night. Bend my ear down and rub it, and make sure it get cauliflowered again. They do it one more time. By the third night, it's already calcium has already got in there. It's already hard, and they can't do it anymore. But they tried it again, and no blood would come out. So it was already hard, and it stayed that way. So the first year in, they did that. And nobody had a cauliflower back then. It wasn't. It just wasn't done. But they wanted wanted to see if I'd bitch about it. Want to see what I say about it. And again, I was bound to determine they're not going to make me quit. Hmm. So you know, those kind of things made you learn. And plus, they would take you in the ring. And uh, El Gran Goliath, El Goliath, uh, stretched me one night in San Bernardino. We had to go thirty minute Broadway. And then we had to drive from San Bernardino to San Jose, which is an all-night drive, like nine freaking hours. And he stretched me, and there's nothing I could do about it. He's bending my backpack, and I was so sore just riding in the car with Alma Drill and, and Chief Frank Running Hill. <laughs> so, you know, but, I mean, those were experiences I wouldn't give up for anything, man, because that that's what taught you how to work. You can't – it's. <laughs> I know you've heard the analogy, you can tell jokes all day in an empty room, but you don't know if they work until you go out and try it in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with wrestling. You can wrestle all day long in front of an empty arena and practice four hours before the show, but that's not how you learn. You learn in front of people. You learn trying stuff. You learn making mistakes. If you don't make any mistakes, you're never going to learn. Mm-hmm. So that's that was a, a big issue, I think, um, that guys don't have today is be able to work six seven nights a week with somebody who knows what they're doing too because all too often it's the blind leading the blind mm-hmm. 
and I don't know how you're going to get better like that. Right. I really don't. Um, so let's kind of list off. I mean, but like, so Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Houston. I know you're in Portland. Yeah. Obviously, all around. Um, the the, the Memphis Nashville area or whatever. Yeah, Beautiful. Memphis is one of those places. If you couldn't get a job in Memphis, you couldn't get a job in wrestling because I mean they'd take almost anybody. Really? Yeah, <laughs> Memphis was pretty have known for the dregs of society at times. You know, okay, if you couldn't get booked. Yeah, if you couldn't get booked, but it was known as one of the best places to wrestle. No, was it? I don't know. Jeez, that's man, why I'm, I'm here with you. Well, you know what, man? As I a had... kid who loves wrestling, all you hear is Memphis wrestling. Okay, Memphis had some fun times, but their their payoffs were known to be not the best. I mean, Steve Austin will tell you, man, he wrestled and and bought a bag of potatoes. Yeah, we stayed at the Congress Inn. Are you familiar with the Congress Inn? No. Well, you know, I I took great resentment when people said, you know, you have crackheads and whores in the back of the Congress Inn. I, I beg your pardon, our crackhead and whores were in the front of the Congress Inn. Okay. Yeah, they didn't stay in the back. So you know. It was it was a horrible place as far as payoffs went, and and I would make a joke sometimes. And I like Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett was one of the last promoters. He was a great businessman, I guess, because he had the house on the hill. He was a millionaire, and mm-hmm. he paid his guys what he paid his guys. And I'm not saying that everybody we were selling out every night, but. I don't know if the houses were as bad as they reflected in the payoffs, but all wrestlers say that. So, so I assume it's one of those things where it's a great memory. If you went on to go make a bunch of money, you're like, remember when we did that? But there's probably a bunch of guys who were there, and I was like, this sucked. Yeah, yeah, and it sucked for a while. I mean, it really did. But if you were out, if, no, if you were out there because you loved wrestling, you go out and wrestle and have a good time. I mean, that that was fine. Uh, but you know, a lot of times we we would come in, and for a long time there was a joke between people I was there with and we'd say, oh, we're going to go take a Memphis or I'm going to wipe my Memphis and gotcha. things like that. And and I, I like Jerry Lawler too. I like Bill Dundee. I like the, the mainstays there. I, I like Jeff Jarrett. I like a lot of those people. But it, as far as business, I mean, they took care of themselves and that's what you do in business and that's what promoters do because they're taking the risks. They're taking all the 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 risk. I mean, yeah. they're putting the money in. Yep. So, so they, they had the right to run it the way they want to run it. If you didn't want to work there, you didn't have to. But, but it was pretty much a given. If you were warm and had a pulse, you could work in Memphis. <laughs> so. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, a couple things. Okay, I want to hit. Um, there's been a lot of developmental trainers, trainees, people in charge. Right. Um, you are one who, if you go around and ask the wrestlers. Uh, not to uh, do whatever to you, butter your bread. Everybody loves Dr. Tom. Everyone, ha- to, everyone. I don't know if everybody does. Well, I'm going to say the majority of my friends no. who are normal people. Ugh, normal people. But I like to think level-headed, get it? Mm. They love you. There's so many people that are uh, that all of a sudden become this hated person. I know them. There was a lot of them when I was there. There's a lot of them now. There's a lot of them in the past. But like, it's a it's a credit to you that. To go into that to that system of where you can easily yell at people and demean people and put people down and easily make enemies that you you have you you for the most part I don't think haven't so I don't know if, if uh, you probably have but like, oh, oh I'm sure I have <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well know I have. but I'll say yeah. like I went in uh, even keeled and like you know clean slate on everybody and boy do I hate a lot of people oh, and yeah. I you know I love you Dr. Tom right. so and there's a lot of us also so like I mean what happens these guys just get power crazy they 
because they're all wrestlers. You know, they were they were that person at one time. Well, you know what I think, man, and and I don't know because I'm not there. But I know when I when I was there, this this could be um, because I was a wrestler, and because and that's probably why I'm not there today. I, I know how it is, and I know how when someone tells you that sucks, change it. Right. Well, it may suck to you, but it may not suck to somebody else. And let me give you a real quick analogy, and I'll go back to this road I'm on now. But Paul Bosch once said, you know, I like strawberries, and I also like to go fishing. But when I go fishing, I don't put strawberries on the hook. I, I put worms. So just because I like something doesn't mean everybody else is like, and I'm trying to catch fish, I'm, I'm going to put what the fish like. So if we're trying to draw fans, let's give them what the fans like. So if you wear a Fred Flintstone outfit out there and the fans <laughs> like it, well, who am I to say that sucks? Take it off. I may not like it, or, or I may not like somebody else going out and wearing a Power Ranger outfit. I don't care what it is. If it gets over with somebody, it gets over with the fans, then let's listen to that. All too often, it would be, um, I don't like her. She looks ugly. Whereas she went on TV and happened to be one of the most over divas they've had in a long time. Just because she didn't match what you liked in a woman doesn't mean the majority thinks the same way you do. And, and that's happened on more than one occasion. So, hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So I think there were times when I might have. Uh... I don't know if I cared too much or not, but I know I know that I actually might have cared uh, to the point where if somebody was having an issue, you, if you came and told me about it, I would try my best to resolve it or help you or try and get something done. Whereas maybe somebody else might say, oh, yeah, I'll take care of it and never give it a second thought. I would give it a second, third, maybe a fourth thought. But why do you do that and somebody else? I mean, I know you don't have the answer, but there's so many that were just like you that did the territories or did the wrestling, and they're a different per- Like, it changed. I assume it had to have changed. Them. Well, apparently, my way of doing things wasn't the right way or the way they wanted things done. So you have to do it the way they want things done if you want to stay in their company yeah. because it's their company and they want you to be a hard ass and they want you to do something else. And it's not, I, I don't think we had lack of discipline. I think it was just the manner in which we distributed or, or did discipline. I mean, we're all human. We didn't get in this to, to have a job. We got in this because we loved it. It's not easy and not everybody can do it. 
you do have to work hard to be good at this. But I don't think you have to do a thousand squats, a thousand push-ups, um, push a truck around the building. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I don't think that has to be done to be a great performer, a great worker. I think you do have to be in shape. I think you have to learn how to work. I, I believe that part. I think matches are a very important part of that. Some other people have philosophy of you have to take a bump exactly like Harley Race. My answer to that is the only person who bumps like Harley Race is Harley Race. Mm. Don't make people bump this one way and say that's the only way because that doesn't exist. The right way, the only way, doesn't exist. There's this way and there's that way. Your way, my way. As we wind this down, therapeutically, I know this is Dr. Tom on my podcast. Sure. Um, but I like to, to dig a little bit into, into, into Cole Cabana, uh, in the system. Like, I guess almost answers. I don't know what, whatever you got for me, if you can say something, but sure. Um, because it's hard for me sometimes, um, you know, uh, failed within that. I think successful as a wrestler failed within a system, uh, because so I don't, you know, I, I was in WWE, so way more successful than a lot of people. If that's your stance of what WWE or what success in wrestling is. Um, but some people, I guess labeled or whatever in my own mind is like, well, obviously not good enough to make it there or whatever it might be. And, um, I don't know. Like I always thought you were a guy who got me and understood me. So maybe I'm asking for justification. I don't sure. know. I don't know. Well, well, let me ask you this. Would you consider yourself a, a social guy? A social guy. Yeah. I mean, like get along with anybody and go out and socialize and go out of your way to be a social person. I think in my early twenties, may yes, a little bit. I think. I mean, I don't think I'm a social idiot. If you sent me to a bar, I can I can go. Around well, we're not talking about a bar. We're talking about like mixing and and maybe showing up and saying hi and bye. I'd rather not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I'd I'd rather not too. And sometimes. That carries over into, well, let's see, what's he like, and and how do they how do they see you? Um, this may come as a shock, but there's politics in wrestling. There's there's politics in life. Husky Harris uh, was this magnificent superstar, just waiting to be discovered, but. He was wearing, I don't know if you remember or not, and I don't know if Wyndham was there. Was he there when you were there? Uh, he was there like the first month. Okay. And he was just... Because he just told this story. I just heard this on, on uh, Steve Austin's podcast. Okay. He was talking about, um, you know, when he first had this, this, he was wearing clothes. He was not clothes, but a shirt and his long uh, pleather Counts as clothes. Counts as clothes. Right, right, right. Uh, well, he... Uh, when they were doing the NXT photo shoot, um, I got a call from Talent Relations who said they wanted me to get him. This was with one hour left to go on the shoot. They had all day to call, but this was late in the afternoon. The you know, photographers are going to leave in one hour to catch their plane. They wanted him in black trunks. Okay? Now, he was a big guy, and there weren't too many big guys around. So everybody was at the beach because we gave everybody else off because they had the photo shoot at FCW. And only those eight guys are there all day. All right. So I had to find somebody big enough to get Husky's um, uh, size, and, and we get these black trunks. And, but actually, nobody had black trunks, but I got a hold of one guy with 30 minutes left to go. He's coming back from the beach. He has navy blue trunks, okay? Um, so we get these navy blue trunks on, but it's not black, and I don't call 
John back the next that night. You know, the next day, John calls me and says, "Hey, did you get those black trunks?" Said, well, John, we got navy blue. Goes, "What do you mean? What am I going to tell Vince when I walk in with navy blue trunks?" I said, "Okay." And I forgot that Rich had told me he could fix it in the mix. It'd be black, no problem. So he hung up on me. Then he calls me back 15 minutes later and says, I talked to Rich. Why didn't you tell me he said he could fix it? I said, John, honestly, you were yelling at me. I was nervous. I didn't know. I forgot. He says, well, it's okay. It's, 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 all, it's all worked out. Don't worry about it. I said, okay. Well, it didn't matter because Husky Harris was doomed to fail anyway. He wasn't Husky Harris. So they sent him back down to developmental with the, the words of something's got to change. What do you want me to change? I don't know, but something's got to change. That's all they told him. So Dan Spivey came to the school. He talked to Dan and just started talking and, and expressing that he needed to change. He wasn't quite sure what that was. And Dan explained how the Wayland Mercy character worked. And Wyndham was also pretty good at, at not, I don't want to say politicking, but he understood how to connect with who he needed to connect with. And in FCW, I found early on, it didn't really matter if you connected with me, and, and even Steve at times, but... Steve Kern. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it did matter um, with who you connected with when the office came down and how you connected, and that's what it amounts to. There's, there's another fella uh, who actually... I'll tell this story because I don't care either. <laughs> this is exactly, and, and this kind of falls in your category because this is what it was. It's, I don't believe it had anything to do with the work. I don't believe that had anything to do with it. I could be wrong. This is just my, my opinion, and wrestling is an opinion. But there was another fellow that's on kind of the same issue, and he was told they wanted him to change his body. So he did. He lost some weight. And he knows how to work, and, and he, he, he had a very good work ethic, I thought. Um, he was almost too smooth. That was, that was the only drawback on my or opinion, criticism I had. And I told him this a few times. It was almost like a ballet. And, in fact, he was a hero to many of us. Okay. Okay. And uh, Chris would do these things. This guy, Chris. We're not sure. Whoever Chris has right. a, has a hero call of ours. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's a lot of guys. It's, an, it's a common name. But he would do these things, and then um, I think he would be almost defiant at times with the wrong person who might or might not have – well, I won't go there. But, mm-hmm. but that had a lot to do with a lot of people. At the time, and I could see that happening in your case. Uh, I'm not a big poli- politic kind of guy either, but in uh, let me just say FCW because I can't speak on NXT, mm-hmm. but FCW mattered a lot of how you played the game, and there was a lot of games being played back then, even even that I was I, I wasn't consciously aware but I was very aware, if that makes any sense. I mean, subconsciously, I knew what was going on just by showing up every day. And when we did our monthly reports, when we did our monthly reports, everybody was putting you over, just so you know, all the trainers, from Norman to Steve to myself. And who else was there? I think just us. Uh, maybe Billy. Billy, Billy came in like And me. I believe Billy put you over as well. So... You tell me where the disconnect comes in. So did you go to WWE when you had your shot up there? Were you going in the dressing room? Were you asking the Undertaker? Were you asking anybody else and saying, hey, man, you know, I really want to get better. I really want to do any of this stuff. Because sometimes they take that as, 
oh, this guy doesn't want to know. Oh, this guy didn't know anything because he didn't ask us what we knew to tell him to do. So I'm not saying that did happen, but I'm saying it very well possibly has an opportunity to happen on occasion to people who sometimes might know just a little bit more than people suppose they know. Right. Yeah. Because not everybody could see you work or not everybody could see what you're doing because they just make a judgment call because you didn't automatically go up and say, hey, man, is there anything you see I could do might be different in my one minute match uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't matter it's yeah. just the fact that you go up and make the effort to just say hey man i really want to get better than just having one minute on raw or one one minute on superstars one minute on smackdown what do i have to do to get better what do i have to do to get more than one minute <sighs> and that's where the energy and all the bullshit takes place and you know i tell guys and we told people there too all the time that you had to be prepared to do whatever it takes to step over this guy or that guy. And, and it's not always pleasant, not always the thing to do. In fact, some guys will disown people they've known for years, people they've, they've gone out of their way to help or gone out of their way to help them. And all of a sudden, man, boy, I got a spot. Hey, oh, who are you? Yeah, right. It's happened to me. It's happened to a lot of us. Uh, you know, I did... <laughs> Oh, man. I did a lot of things to help a few people in FCW. And, and I'm, I mean, people didn't have gas money. I'm just, I'm just, and I don't, I'm not looking for a thank you. I'm not looking for a pat on the back. What I'm saying is there's things I did for people that nobody has to know about and nobody ever will know about. But just because they needed help, there, there was nowhere else to turn right then. And, Right, wrong, or indifferent, I felt it was right at the time to do it. But you have to understand, when you get to the main roster, nobody really cares. It's a, it's a shark tank, huh? It is a shark tank, yeah. and you have to know how to play with the shark. So if you, if you, and Wyndham, what I was getting at is when Husky Harris finally went up there and finally learned that he's got to reach out, and they want you to reach out. They want you to be a shark. They want you to be that guy who doesn't care about anybody else except himself. And you, you look at the guys and, and you look at who's on top. And if you look and you go deep down and you find somebody who's in that mix, I think you'll find a same underlying theme <laughs> that they are willing to lie, cheat and steal, do whatever they have to do. Yeah. Stab their mother. Right. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's for the better. I always say that, like, I don't, I, I wasn't, I mean, I get it, and I know where you're at, and like, I like being a, ni- a nice, normal human being. But that's, that's <laughs> but here's what you have to think about, man, is because, you know, I, I remember, and I, again, I've said this before, but it's it's my fault. When I call, I told the talent development manager who took over for the last guy, Ty Baylor. I don't mention this mention this guy's name, but I told him I thought he came across like a flaming fucking asshole, and I said that to his face. Um. I felt that because he did. He came across like a flaming fucking asshole. He he didn't know anything about wrestling. Not that you have to know anything about wrestling to run this company or run talent development, but it sure would help if you respected or understood what these guys went through instead of just coming in and pretending like you understand when you don't understand and you can't bullshit the bullshitters, but he's trying to bullshit the bullshitters, and he thinks he's really keen, he thinks he's really smart, and he thinks he's really uh, hip. He's, yeah. not, he's, no, he's none of those. And I had pretty much had enough. I saw the writing on the wall as it was, and that's okay because, yeah, you've heard this too. I told you you had to learn to eat the taste, love the taste of shit because you're going to eat enough of it. And I had enough of shit. 
and I'd been eating enough shit, and I know what I'd done. I, I thought I did a pretty good job with developmental. I thought it was pretty fair. In fact, maybe too fair. So do you, do you speak out? Do you do what you believe? Or do you go, and, and because you want this so bad, you know, we, I tell people this too, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Mm-hmm. Because you can't always go in. If it's, if it's not true to you, you, if it's not true for you to go up and say, hey, man, how are you? Hey, would you really like, would, would you really help me? Would you like watch my match or help me? If that's not true, then it's going to come across as bullshit and you're not going to be happy either. But, but I, in your case, I can see maybe going in and I can see because you see, you did stuff in your matches that you were sure about. And that's one thing you can't bullshit is confidence. So you you had confidence in the matches. But your matches were the entertaining matches along with wrestling that people would say, huh, what did you do that for? Or, huh, why did you do that? Well, okay, the trick there is to get their blessing and then listen to what they say and do that for a couple of weeks and then go back to doing your thing. And then it's just like how they told you, you're great now. <laughs> it's called bullshitting yeah, yeah, yeah. the bullshitters and and once again i'm not a great political guy but that's the facts of life our downfalls yeah. or our upfalls huh or our upfalls oh, it could be yeah <laughs> i mean it could be it depends what you want in life man yeah. if you like doing your gig if you like traveling and and going these different places and being your your own man that's great it's just wwe is what it is and and there's so many layers to that machine and i've heard so many things just in this these last two years that i knew were there i knew it but now to hear them publicly uh, and just in the last two years i'm not just talking about recently i'm talking about in the last two years to hear these things come out it's like wow man why didn't it come out earlier right and i don't know i mean but before that stuff came out and before that stuff came out and you know, it, yeah, it seems exactly. like it's going to be a theme, a theme for uh, for a long time. And, it, and there's always stuff that's going to come out yeah. because there's always going to be people who aren't happy. There's always going to be people that say things. But let me say this: it, it's the only company where you can really go to make money. But but you you have if you want to make that money and you want to do that that penance or you want to do that gig, that's what it entails, man. Because Vince is Vince, Hunter is Hunter, and. There's nothing that's going to change that. You have to expect. If somebody, I went and asked someone, what do I have to do to be on your team? And they looked at me in the eye and said, I don't know. And I looked them back and said, what do you mean you don't know? And then they started double talking me and speaking around like I didn't know what they were doing and talking like I was <laughs> on an island. They were swimming around me. And I said, wait, 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 stop, stop. What do you mean? What do I have to do? What are you talking about? And he said, I'm still getting my feet wet here. I still have to find out what's going on in FCW. And I said, hold on, hold on. What do you want to know? I can tell you. What do you want to know? I said, well, I've, I've just got to look into it. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Now, wait a minute, man. If you don't know, who knows? And this was the guy who was over FCW at the time. So that's fine, man. I mean, I got the picture. I understood. Yeah, yeah. It's not a problem. But... If you're asking me what was your case, I, I can see it as not. Did, did you go in and shake everybody's hand? Sure, yeah, but I didn't blow. I didn't verbally blow anybody. Oh, why not? Because oh, it's, big... it's just not it's the not blowing natural. part. The ver- yeah, it's not natural, right? Yeah. It's weird, and it's like yeah. you know, I'm. I have that throwback. Uh, 
almost romanticism of of the time that you're even talking about of like I'm gonna start low, I'm gonna win them over in the ring. They're mm. gonna see how hard, how weird I am in the ring that I'm different. And I'm a throwback. And when I see everybody going up to the Undertaker and everybody going up to to Randy Orton, verbally blowing him, I'm gonna be like, well, I'm just gonna be that guy also. That's so weird. Like obviously they don't have anything to say to him. They're just being weird. Uh-huh. So like but- I'll say hello and that's it. Yeah, because they're not my friend, and I'll make friends when I wrestle them, and then uh, we have that bond, and then you know that bond of wrestling each other. So, so here's the other thing. So, let's say you're there from I don't know from noon until eleven o'clock, right? Yeah, and you only spent like how many hours or how many minutes in the ring? A lot, right? Well, but how many minutes in the ring that day? Did you spend maybe an hour in the ring? Yeah, okay, two. Okay, so maybe an hour, two hours, yeah, yeah. and you're backstage maybe eight. So where do they make their judgment call? Yeah. How do they get to yeah. know you? How do they get to know you? And and that's part of the deal, you know, that you go, oh, yeah, man. But see, because I never felt comfortable going up and doing that shit either. But that, and I even tried it, man. I tried it with, with Ty Bailey. I tried it with the other guy. But it was just so. <laughs> hey, buddy. Not, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not my buddy. And they'll never will be my buddy. Because <laughs> they don't know who I am. They don't know what I am. And then he never will. Some of the guys in in Hunter is a wrestler. He he understands that, but Hunter's also Hunter, and he's he's he is what he is, uh, and and you have to accept that. And whatever he is, you know, I'll leave that to your own yeah, yeah. thinking. But that's what he is, and uh, he's a smart guy. Stephanie's a smart lady. Vince is they're, they're smart people, um, but with great power comes great responsibility, and I'm sure they all know that. It's just they, what what they do with their powers is. Right. I get They're, it. It's theirs. They can do whatever they want. It's yeah. their company. And we yeah. don't like uh, whoever doesn't fit in doesn't fit in, and they can tell our stories on the fringe like we're doing. Yeah. And then uh, and but, the people there, they'll make millions or they'll do whatever they want, and they'll, they'll tell their stories. But here's so the other so thing, forth. too, man. Going back to Husky Harris, he came back, and he found himself, and he found out who he is. And and he was bound to determine. Another guy, just real quick, Seth Rollins, uh, did not like people. And I don't think he still likes people. Right. But, 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 but. You know Seth? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. I I was I, I talked to Seth when he first came in because we had we were assigned different guys at that time and and this was going to be the great breakthrough and I'm gonna <laughs> I have Seth Rollins. Well, I knew he should have been somebody else's project, but I went and talked to him and I sat and said, Seth, I get the impression you don't like people very much. He says, Yeah, you're right, man. I said, Cool, man. Well, what can I do to help you through it? And he said, I don't know, but we'll work through it. And and that's pretty much what we do. We just work through it. And I saw the change in the attitude because I wasn't going to try and change his style. I was just going to try and change his attitude when he walked in so everybody can see, man, this guy's got a great attitude. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But it got him where he needed to be. Yeah. And whatever he did, it worked for him. Yeah. It may not work for you. Right. It may not work for me. But for him, it did. And the other fellow who's our hero, it didn't work for him. First, right. Yeah. Uh, Doc... You are uh, you're training people still. You just went to Germany. Yep. WXW was good. Yeah, I loved it, man. It was ten. It was ten days, but nine hours on a bus. I can't do, man. It was like whew, it was brutal. We had one trip was just brutal, but no, it was good guys, man. I really enjoyed it. It was uh, a chance to uh, see a different culture and uh, see some new talent. You're still doing the training. Yeah. All around, so people can bring you into your school. They can book you. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they can go to. Uh, DrTomPritchard.com, and uh, there's a there's a 
link there to uh, they can also send me an email at book doctor tom at aol dot com. I still use AOL. I do too. Yeah, oh, it's cool, man. Because they said <laughs> Gmail is supposed to be some business deal, but I like AOL. I use Gmail for business. Yeah, I well, use, I use AOL, AOL for me. Yeah, of course <laughs> I do. But but yeah, man, I'm still doing that, and I'm even wrestling a couple of times just to help some guys if they want to get in there and do stuff. But I do old school shit and just. Just yeah. like Achim Achbright. Achim Achbright. Yeah, yeah, man. But I mean, yeah, I'm still doing it. And it's, it's doing conventions like WrestleCade and doing some of the roasts like with Jim Cornette. It's just, it's, it's cool to still be around because I still love the business. I still love wrestling. I still love professional wrestling. I may not like corporate wrestling and I may not like a lot of things, but I, I respect the guys that still want to do it. And I, I, WWE is WWE. It's still, for all its warts and things that happen, it's still the only place to really make a living if you're going to be in wrestling. Now, I take that back. You, some guys can do it on the independence if you're making good money, but that's not everywhere and not everybody. I get so, it. Yeah. But your, I mean, your, uh, your, your grassroots, your humbling beginnings come from the, uh, the dirty roads of independent wrestling. I like it. And you're, you're, yeah, you're still around. Uh, Twitter? Yeah, yeah, at uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard. Okay. Yes. It's all through Dr. Tom Yeah, it's all through, man. And it's you're open there. and accessible. You have ebooks. You wrote some books. Yeah, man. Well, I have one book. It's it's the curriculum I'm going to give you when I leave. Have you got the book yet? Uh, I do not. I'm gonna, you'll have it when we leave. Okay. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a curriculum. And, and there's a story behind that, too, uh, because they told me I didn't have a curriculum how to teach someone from day one all the way through the year. And I said, you know what, man? That's not the way it works. This is not the way it works. You don't go A, B, C, D, E. You, you can do it, but the way you get this done man is you 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 go with the vibe you go with what's happening especially when we had different levels of people that's the way things were done back then now we didn't have seven rings we didn't have the performance center back in my day kid all that crap yeah you know but it's not the way it's done wrestling is feeling it's not so then you went and wrote a book yeah it is no i didn't write the book <laughs> I, I, I had the curriculum first and then they fired me i said i got this curriculum i'm gonna publish this oh, song gotcha. bitch. oh nice that's what it was okay i like it <laughs> yeah. yeah you will like it cool cool hey man thanks for coming on hey thanks for having me on it's a man. long time coming yeah, yeah yeah awesome thank you very cool all right, I do kind of, right? I kind of, I kind of tried to figure out, but I gotta let it go, don't I? I, I fucking just gotta let it go. But there's something that will always be in me, and there's something that you at home, uh, the mean ones will always be, uh, Colt, Colt can't let it go. Maybe it's true, but don't say it mean, <laughs> you know, joke about it with me. Uh, when I went and did stand up with Mick Foley, uh, you know, I joke about it. I like joking about it. I think it's an easy target. So let's have fun with it. Let's not uh, destroy my confidence. I'm a, I'm a, a fragile man. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. Dr. Tom, great skimming through the book. For, the, for my listeners, you, they know it's hard for me to read, but this is a lot of step-by-step instructions, so it's not really a synopsis or an analytical view of anything. This is a good one, though, hopefully for you at home. Uh, continuing with us in the post-punk podcast era. You like it, you dug it, and you'll be with us going forward. All right, before we get out of here, let's get into some plugs and... Upcoming events! All right, the best way that you can support, coldmerch.com and digitalcult.com. I got a Twitter and an Instagram, at Colt Cabana. I have a very public email. Please use it wisely, coltwrestling at gmail.com. Maybe you're a promoter and want to put me on your upcoming show or convention. Worstpromoever.com has all the back catalogs of those promos Marty DeRosa and I did. ColtCabana.com is the main hub. I got a P.O. box over there. I like getting snail mail. A lot of people have been sending me some fun things so far, and I really dig that. Thank you very much. Facebook slash AOW podcast. 
like it. Upcoming Saturday, December 20th, Rahway, New Jersey. It's a huge, huge super show. ProWrestlingSyndicate.com. Sunday, December 21st, I'll be in Southern California. HollywoodWrestling.com. Saturday, December 27th, Berwyn, Illinois. I haven't been to the Chicago area in a while. AAWrestling.com. Sunday, December 28th, Providence, Rhode Island. Facebook.com slash Beyond Wrestling. Uh, got nothing the first week of January. That's a, that's a hint and a wink to you local promoters out there. Saturday, January 10th, I'm in Granite City, Illinois, which is basically St. Louis. Facebook.com slash PWCS Wrestling. January 16th through the 18th, Miami, Florida, going to do some wrestling and some signing. MagicCityComicCon.com. Sunday, January 25th, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. WrestleRumble.com. I think uh, you watch the wrestling, then you watch the Royal Rumble there. Sunday, February 15th, London, England, making a case to why I should be allowed back in RevolutionProWrestling.com. All right, that is the show for this week. Big thank you to you at home for listening. Thanks to Dr. Tom Pritchard. Thanks to Cable Guy Jeff and Stu Stone. Thanks to Kid Russell and Matt Jenkins on the music. Thanks to Dane Miller for all the tech help. Let's thank our sponsors, HighSpots.com. Hundreds of full-length titles available to download, plus all the $5 wrestling titles, AMA, knee pads, gear, the brand-new Freight Train documentary, which was fucking priceless. Let's go watch that. How about ProWrestlingTees.com and BarbershopWindow.com? The original alternative and independent wrestling shirt companies, both powered by OneHourTees.com. Custom t-shirts made to your liking in an hour a week or whenever you need them. TweakedAudio.com slash cult. The earbuds that I use get over 30% off and free shipping just because you listen to this show. That's right, this show. Hey, we're out of here. We're done. This has been The Art of Wrestling. For Colt Cabana, I'm Colt Cabana. Thanks three kinds of people in this world those who try and when they don't make it they say well at least i tried and those who say well i gave my best shot and if they don't make it they say well you know what at least i give my best shot and then those who say whatever it takes there is no try there is no best shot there's just whatever it takes